Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Bible says, That day, when evening came, He said to His disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took Him along. They took Him along uh, just as He was in the boat. There were also other boats with Him. A few of squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. And so, Lord, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You that Your Word is truth. Your Word is powerful. Your Word has the capacity to transform our hearts and our minds and our lives. Father, let the Spirit of the Lord be present. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation, even as we share the Word. Father, anoint my lips. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of Your Word, Lord God, I pray. That I may preach the Word with boldness and without fear. Help us to have our hearts open to hear the word of the Lord this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to speak uh, this morning on the subject, the perfect storm. The perfect storm. Uh, One of the things that we all experience in life is storms. Storms come in different forms and intensities, but they usually come without warning. They usually cause a lot of damage. They're intense. And what makes them particularly daunting is that we don't know how or when they're going to end. All of us have experienced some storms in life. As we reflect on our life, I'm sure we can all think about some storms that we've gone through. The the characteristics of a storm is they just seem to come out of nowhere and they cause havoc in our lives. And the, 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 the biggest issue for storms is we don't know how long they're going to last and we don't know how we're going to get out of this particular storm. We experience all kinds of storms in life. There's financial storms, marital storms, vocational storms where the boss says to us, you know, we don't need you anymore. Health storms. We went for a regular checkup and we just thought it was nothing. And the doctor rings us back and says he wants to see us. Says serious. We have personal storms. There are storms that we cause in our life. There are times where we find ourselves in a situation and we wonder, well, how did I get here? Well, we got there because we made some poor decisions. There are some storms that we cause in our lives by making some bad decisions. There are storms that come from the enemy that need to be resisted and rebuked. And then there are the storms that God allows. There are some storms that God allows in our life. It's to this last type of storm that I wanna speak about this morning. And to help us 
look at this topic, we're going to look at the storm that the disciples faced, as we read in our text, the familiar passage of Scripture. Background of the text is quite simple. Jesus is preaching and He's teaching. Uh, He was performing miracles, feeding the multitudes, raising the dead, casting out evil spirits. The power of God is being made manifest. And uh, Jesus is moving uh, from town to town and uh, just some amazing things that are taking place through Jesus' ministry. And the disciples are with Jesus and they're following Him. And they're seeing the the miracles. They're hearing the teaching. They're actually seeing this with their eyes. They're watching Jesus minister to different people. And Jesus is with them in person and they're seeing this. And on one particular occasion, Jesus had been ministering with the disciples most of the day. And at the end of the day, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Could have been because Jesus was tired. Because uh, what we find is as soon as Jesus gets in the boat, he's sleeping in the stern of the boat. This was nothing unusual that Jesus was asking the disciples. Remember, the disciples were fishermen. They knew the Sea of Galilee. They knew it well. They'd fished these waters many times and sailing across to the other side was no big deal. And then the Bible says that out of nowhere, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. This storm, this comes out of nowhere and swamps the boat. Must have been a pretty severe storm because the disciples are scared. Uh, if, if the disciples knew the storm was coming, they would never have set sea on, and they wouldn't have gone out to sea with the boat. But they didn't know that the storm was coming. Out of nowhere, this storm, and the disciples are afraid. For them to be afraid, it must have been a bad storm. Problem is, Jesus is in the boat sleeping. And I love the way Mark puts it. He says he's sleeping on a cushion just to kind of give us a real picture of how he's sleeping. Well, things are getting uh, pretty bad on, on the deck and disciples are getting stressed and worried and, and uh, uh, there he is, Jesus sleeping. So one of the disciples goes down and says, Jesus, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? Jesus gets up. And he calms the storm, quiet, be still. And he gives the disciples a hug. And he says, sorry guys, I was really tired. Must have fallen into a deep sleep. Are you okay? How are you feeling? Is that what Jesus did? He didn't do psychology 101. That's the problem with Jesus, you see. (laughs) Empathy. Jesus says none of that. Instead, he says to the disciples, why are you so afraid? And do you still have no faith? Storms, I believe, are something we can all relate to. I'm sure we can all think back to a storm that we faced. Maybe there's some people here this morning, you're in the midst of a storm and you know exactly what I'm speaking about this morning. And I pray that this word would encourage you, that it would encourage us this morning. Question is, how do we deal with a storm? How do we deal with the storms that come in our life? Well, as I reflected on this story, there were a few things that kind of stood out for me and I want to share with you. The first thing we notice from this story is that it was Jesus who said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side. It's kind of interesting. Um, 
Jesus commanded disciples to go to the other side. That's your first point, by the way. It's going to come up in just a second. Boat trip was motivated by the disciples. Boat trip was not motivated by the disciples. There it is. Disciples weren't running from God like Jonah was. Disciples were not disobeying Jesus. It's not like Jesus said to them, hey, listen, don't go, don't go on the Sea of Galilee now. There's gonna be a storm coming up. Disciples, oh, what do you know about fishing? We're gonna go anyway. No, none of that happened. Disciples were simply obeying Jesus' command. Jesus says to the disciples, He says, listen, let's go over to the other side. And this makes the storm a little bit perplexing to me. Did Jesus not know that the storm was coming? Did Jesus, omniscient or knowing Jesus, you know, Jesus who is God, did He not know that the storm was coming? Was He having a bad day? Did He, did he what, what, what was going on here? Jesus says to His disciples, guys, let's go into the Sea of Galilee. Jesus, who is all knowing, all, all, all omniscient God, He knew that there was a storm that was coming. And still He says to His disciples, let's go. Now we could spiritualize this story all we want. We could say, well, the disciples had no faith. You know, they should have rebuked the storm. Why did Jesus have to rebuke the storm? Jesus, they could have rebuked it themselves. They had given in to fear. That's why they had this problem. We, we could talk about all of that. Of course, we would have rebuked the storm. Can I hear an amen? We would have just got up and said, waves be still. And that's what we, amen, can I hear an amen? Yeah, no, amens. Fact remains, Jesus led the disciples into a storm. Fact remains that Jesus led the disciples into a storm. And I believe there are times where God will lead us into a storm. I believe that there are times where God will allow us to go through a storm. Remember the life of Jesus one other time. Uh, Jesus had been baptised uh, uh, and uh, the father says, it's my beloved son whom I love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As you read the text, Luke chapter four, you find Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Where was he led by the Spirit? He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus into a wilderness experience. It's interesting. Now, I know that that teaching is not real popular with my faith friends. I was talking to a guy one time who has a, you know, been towards faith. And uh, he, he was saying to me, there's only two reasons why we experience these kind of situations. It's either because there's sin in our life or there's a lack of faith. It's the only two reasons why we experience some of this. So, and it's kind of, we tend to think like that. Uh, when we experience a storm, we automatically start to look for sin in our lives. We start to delve in, we start to dive in and we look for sin. And for most of us, well, they don't have to look very far to find some sin in there. There's plenty around in some of us. Sometimes we beat ourselves up because we don't have enough faith. I don't believe you know, if I just believed more, if I just had more faith, then this storm would just go away all of a sudden. Uh, and we'd beat ourselves up. I'm not sure that's right. It was Jesus who led the disciples into a storm. He says to his disciples, knowing full well there's a storm ahead. He says to his disciples, hey guys, let's go over to the other side. 
and out of nowhere, a storm. I believe there are times where God will allow us to go through a storm. Where we will hear the word of God with clarity. It won't be an ambiguous word of God. We won't be, we won't be thinking, well, did God speak or did He not speak? Did He say this or did He not say this? We will know without a shadow of a doubt that we heard from God. We will take off with faith and expectation. Believing for great things. Only to find we end up in a pit like Joseph. We have a dream, you know, God speaks to us in a dream and it's exciting. Whoa, I'm gonna, yeah, it's fantastic. Only to find a few days later that we're in a pit or in a wilderness like Moses or on the run like David. You remember David, David was anointed king. The, uh, the, the prophet comes and anoints David as king. The next thing, David is on the run from Saul. He spends the next so many years on the run from Saul. What we expected was blessing and favour power, strength, miracles. Jesus spoke to us. He told us to go to the other side. What we got was a storm. Graham Cook says this, same prophetic word that brings joy, hope and the excitement of God into our lives will also bring us into a time of testing. After the promise usually comes a problem. A set of circumstances that are designed to help us hold on to the word we have received. We should all live with the words of Peter ringing in our ears, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which it is to try you, as though same, some strange thing has happened to you. It's quite normal to be tested, an opportunity to believe the Lord and to cling to Him. First thing that kind of struck me from this story is that it was Jesus that commanded the disciples to go into a storm. It kind of brings me to the second point. God does some of His greatest work in a season of adversity. So some of the best work He does in molding and shaping our hearts happens in a storm. Because sometimes it's only when we're in the storm that we turn to God and that we find God. It's only in the storm that we cry out to God and we find Him. When we think about the tools that God uses to shape our faith, we think about prayer, which is great. We think about the Word of God. We think about teaching. We think about knowledge. We think about books, seminars, conferences. All of that are good. These are, these are the ways that God uses the tools that God uses to shape our faith. But I believe one of the greatest tools He uses to shape our faith is adversity. Remember, God sends Jeremiah to the potter's house and says, there I will speak to you. And Jeremiah says, so I did as I was told and I found the potter working at his will. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. Here he is forming a jar and it's not quite the way it should be. So what does the, 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 the potter do? So he crushed it into a lump of clay and started all over again. There are times when the potter will actually crush us in order to rebuild us. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the crushing process. Anybody here with me? I love that crush. You crush me anytime you want to. No problem. I'm, I'm happy to go through a season of crushing I prefer the books and the seminars personally. I mean, I think that's a much better way to go. If I, if I got to grow spiritually, I'm happy to go through, through, the, through the books and the seminars. I hate the crushing process. 
Think about the great men and women who were used by God in the Bible, the stories that we know. All of them had to face a storm. All of them had to go through some adversity. And it was many times through the adversity that God was shaping them. Because God does some of His greatest work in our lives in the season of adversity. Biggest problem with the season of adversity is we don't know how long it will last and how we will get out. Worst of all, it seems that God is absent, silent. Jesus is in the boat and He's sleeping on a cushion. My disciples are on the boat trying to keep it afloat and Jesus is sleeping. Disciples come down in a panic. Jesus, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? Anyone ever felt like the disciples? You're drowning, you're barely staying afloat. You don't know if you're gonna make it for another day and it feels like Jesus is sleeping. It feels like Jesus is asleep in the boat. You cry out to Him, Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care if I drown? Don't you care if I die? Don't you care if He leaves me? Don't you care if I lose my job? Don't you care, Lord God? Don't you care? We're going through this, this, this storm, which is not a problem in itself. The storm is probably something we could handle. One of the greatest challenges of the storm is that Jesus is silent. We can't hear Him. Like Job, we turn to the left, we turn to the right, we look to the south, we look to the north, the east, the west. Where is He? I just wanna meet with Him. I just wanna talk to Him. C.S. Lewis said in a book called Grief Observed, meanwhile, where is God? When you are happy, so happy, you have no sense of needing Him, so happy that you attempted to feel His claims upon you as an interruption. If you remember yourself and turn to Him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to Him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. Why is He so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in time of trouble? The storm. Fact is, God is nearer than we think He is. Because God does some of His greatest work in growing our faith in the season of adversity. It's in the storm that we learn that God is with us. It's in the, it's in the storm that we learn that God cares, that He's sovereign. That our, it, it's in the storm that our faith grows. It's in the storm that we grow closer to God. It's in the storm that we grow spiritually before the storm. Oh, we're, we're, we're good. Before the storm, you know, we're, we're so good. When, when we hear someone going through a storm, oh, you're going through a storm, I'll pray. Uh, just do this and do that. Oh, it's because you don't have enough faith, you know. You know that's before the storm, before we've experienced the storm. After we've experienced the storm, then we're ready to counsel someone who's going through a storm. Because then we say, I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. We don't, we don't, with those one-liners, those things, those cliches make no sense at all anymore. And we, we, we don't even go there. We say, I know what you're going through. And we just hold someone's hand and we just hold the hand. And that person knows we've been through the storm and got through it. And there's an assurance in our soul that we're gonna get through this one as well. Paul says in Romans, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces 
Perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, storms produce something. There is something produced in the storm that is not produced anywhere else. Now, as many of you can, as many of you can see, I go to the gym regularly. You know how you can, you know, you, you, you see some people, right? And you just, you just look, they usually got those short t-shirts and you go, this guy goes to the gym, you know, and um, I know that's how you see me. <clears throat> the interesting thing about a workout is this, which I don't feel very often, but anyway, it's, it's, it's the interesting thing about a workout is this, certain endorphins are released only when we work out. It's only when we stress our bodies that these endorphins are actually released into the system, whether it's cardio or weights, two different types of endorphins. Cardio releases one type of endorphin, weights actually releases something else, both of which are very good for the body, very good for the body. But those things are only, those chemicals in the body are only released when we put our bodies through stress and work out, which has happened to me twice in a couple of years. Oh, that's what it feels like. Oh, okay. Fact is, there are things that God does in the storm that cannot be done anywhere else. Because as Paul says in Romans, suffering produces something. It produces something. The, the, the storm produces something that can only be produced when we go through the adversity. James says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I'm reading out of uh, the New Living Translation. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Again, James is saying, you see, you count it all joy when you go through sufferings of many times because the suffering actually produces something. It produces a sense of being complete, faith, it grows us. And we all want that. You see, like most of us, disciples had an intellectual faith, head faith. They'd seen faith in action. They'd watched Jesus do the miracles. They'd seen what faith looks like. Wow. But they had no faith themselves. Intellectual faith becomes experiential faith when we go through the storm. And you cannot go through life on my faith. We need our own faith. And you get that in a storm. So all of this kind of raises a question for me, which is what do you do when you're in the storm? All right, so I understand that storms have a purpose. I understand that God sometimes leads us into a storm. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes God actually leads us into the storm. I understand that God does some of His greatest work in the storm, but what do you do while you're in one? Look at what the disciples did while they were in the storm. Maybe it wasn't pretty. Maybe they should have rebuked the storm. Maybe they should have done, had more faith. Maybe that's what they should have done. But you know what? What they did was they cried out to Jesus. And that's the third principle. When you're in a storm, cry out to Jesus. 
I know that, that kind of, oh, Pastor Joe, that's a revelation. Oh, I'm so glad I came this morning. Oh, you know, in the storm, cry out to Jesus. That's a great revelation. It's actually a powerful revelation because all we have is Jesus. Because we have no, nothing else. We have no one else. The whole, d- d- the whole storm is designed to, go, to get us to actually just lean on Jesus completely because we've got nowhere else to go. We learn what to do in a storm from someone else who went through a storm. His name was Jonah. Jonah understood something about storms. He was running from God. You know, God said to him, I want you to go to Nineveh. Jonah says, see you later. I'm going in the opposite direction. Gets in a boat. He starts heading out uh, in the opposite direction. He's in the the boat sleeping as well. And to get his attention, God sends a storm. Longer he was on the boat, the more fierce the storm became. Eventually he confesses he was to blame, you know, the story. And so they throw him overboard. When they did, the storm subsided. And Jonah ended up in the belly of a big fish. So what did Jonah do while he was in the fish? Because he still wasn't delivered. He was still in the midst of the storm. What did he do? I believe he did the kind of things that we need to do. Bible says from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Here, he's still in the fish, just, just, just so you understand what the, what's going on here, just so we don't understand. He is not on the shore yet. He's not been delivered from this whole thing. He could be dead as far as he knows. He's not sure. He's in the whale. He doesn't know what's about to happen next. He's praying in faith. In my distress, I cried to the Lord. He heard my cry. There are times where we need to pray in faith. When we're in the midst of the storm, what do we do? We pray in faith. We say, God, I thank you that you're gonna see me through. Lord, I thank you that you're gonna give me. Lord, I thank you that you're with me. Lord, I thank you that you never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, I thank you. You held me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again. Yet I will look again. Yet I will look again to your holy temple. He thought to himself, God has God has rejected me, but I'm gonna look again to the holy hill. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head to the roots of the mountains. I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever, but you, Lord, my God, brought, be you, Lord, my God, brought my life from out of the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. And then verse nine, but I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Imagine the smell. (laughs) What did Jonah do? Sorry. What did Jonah do? What did Jonah do in the storm? What did he do? He prayed. He prayed, he worshiped, he worshiped and he waited for God. What what, what do we do? What do we do in the storm? He couldn't get himself out of that whale. It was God, it was the Lord who commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. What do we do in the storm? We pray, we worship and we wait on God greatest things that we can do. One final thing. 
we learn from this story. And that is God will get us to the other side. If God said we're gonna get to the other side, we will go to the other side. The boat will not sink and the storm will go away. When God says he will do something, we can be sure that he's gonna do it. God is not a man, so he doesn't lie, says the Bible. He's not human. So he doesn't change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? One of the things we experience in life is fear, is in the storms, is fear. Fear the ship will break. Fear we're not gonna get through. Fear we're gonna drown. The greater the storm, the greater the fear. The only thing that will help us Deal with the fear is faith. Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You've heard me say before, fear is faith in the wrong thing. Who, who are you gonna believe? You're gonna believe the storm or you're gonna believe God? Who are you gonna put your faith in? Are you gonna put your faith in the storm or are you gonna put your faith in God? Why are you so afraid? Why do you have so much faith in the storm and no faith in me? is what Jesus was saying. Question, how do we get faith? One of the ways we get faith is we stand on the promises of God. God will see me through. God will protect me. The ship will not sink. I will get to the other side. See, one of the biggest problems we have when we go through a storm is we start to think, you know, maybe I've sinned. Maybe God is punishing me. Um, I've made some big mistakes. I deserve this. Maybe that's what this is really all about. And we start to let the winds blow us here and there. It's in those times that we need to just throw down some anchors. And the greatest anchor that we have is the Word of God. I wonder, what are some of the verses that you quote when you're going through a storm? What are some of those anchors that you pull down? When you're in a storm, what are some of those anchors that you have at your ready to be able to pull down when you're going through a storm? There's a few that I've used in my life over the years. One of them has been, for I know that my Redeemer lives and He shall stand at last on the earth and I shall see Him. For I know that my Redeemer lives. Because when you're going through the storm, one of the greatest challenges is you're starting to say to yourself, well, I don't know if I'm gonna get through this storm. I don't, where, where is God? Where is God in all of this? Where is He? If God is God, then Why? I know that my Redeemer lives, for I know that my Redeemer lives. And this, this is Job quoting this right in the middle of the storm, right in the, right in the middle of this whole thing. It's as dark as it's ever been. And he says, for I know that my Redeemer lives and I shall see Him. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper in every tongue. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's no weapon. The devil can throw every weapon that he wants at my life. He can throw every weapon that he wants to at me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Micah 7, 8, do not gloat over me, my enemy. That was Isaiah 54, 17, by the way. Some good scriptures to write down. Isaiah 54, 17. The next one is Micah 7, 8. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. 
Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be my light. What a great scripture. It doesn't, it doesn't deny the reality of the situation. He says, Micah is saying, do not gloat over me. Don't, 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 don't get happy on me, enemy. Though I have fallen, I have fallen, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, I'm in darkness right now, but the Lord shall be my light. If it doesn't happen tomorrow, it's gonna be the day after. It's not the day after. It's gonna be next month. It's gonna be next year, but He's gonna come through for me. Psalm 27, one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When an army came and sought to besiege me, you know, I'm not gonna be afraid because God is with me. Psalm 27, what a powerful Psalm to, to, to quote. What's, what's your anchors? What are the anchors that you've got that you pull down? You gotta get some anchors because when you're in the midst of the storm, the waves are tossing you here and there and you don't know whether you're Arthur or Martha. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't know what's gonna happen. What you need in a storm is some anchors that are gonna hold you. Psalm 27, 13, I would have lost heart unless I'd believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'd almost given up hope. I'd almost, I'd almost thought, this, forget it. This is not gonna happen this time. This time I'm not gonna get through this unless I believe. But I believed one thing, that I would see the goodness of God, that God is a good God, that He loves me and that He's gonna see me through. And that's what got me through. That's what, that's what made me believe. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what your storm looks like, but I want you to know that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Take that as an anchor for your soul. Philippians 1.6 is my favourite. Being confident of this one thing that He who has started a work in you, we are bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He's promised it. What He started in me many, many years ago, He's gonna bring it to completion. No storm is gonna get in the way of what God is doing in my life. Find some anchors, there's plenty more in Scripture. Share them with each other. At times God allows storms to outwork His purposes in our life. Don't let the devil bring you into condemnation and blame and lack of faith and pull down your anchors. You know, sometimes, you know, he knows that I'm dust. There's that scripture in Psalm 139, I think, or wherever, one of the Psalms. He knows that we are dust. He doesn't expect us to be, you know, giants of faith. He knows that I'm just dust. <laughs> He knows we're human. Sometimes we say, if I just had more faith in, then things would be different. Can you get, just, just pause, pause. The disciples had been with Jesus. Come on, let's, let's, let's bring this right back down. They'd seen the miracles. They'd heard the teaching. They'd, they had Jesus in the boat for crying out loud. The, the disciples, these, these were the, they actually saw the miracles. They saw that with their eyes. They heard Him teaching in the flesh. He was there with them. They saw it with them. They had Jesus in the boat. How many of us would doubt if Jesus was in our boat, you know, body, physically? He was downstairs sleeping and still they had no faith. <laughs> Pathetic, those disciples, weren't they? Huh? Don't beat yourself up in the storm. The purpose of the storm is to develop faith in us. That's the whole purpose of the storm, is to develop faith in us. 
You see, the disciples had intellectual faith. They had intellectual faith. They, they, they had faith that they saw, that they read in a book. They saw it with their eyes, but they didn't have experiential faith. So Jesus says, hey boys, let's go to the other side. The disciples that got into the boat were not the same disciples that got off of the boat. Something had changed. Something had changed. When you come out of a storm, you never come out the same way. Something has changed. Storms mark us in a good way. Storms mark us. They mark us. Now they can mark you for bad. They can mark you for good. And if you cry out to Jesus, the storm will always mark you for good. Because that storm is gonna turn into a testimony. Oh, I was in a storm one day. I didn't know what was gonna happen. And I just, I, just, I just cried out to Jesus. You know, there was this one scripture that got me through. This was the scripture. And God got me through. Remember, your boat will not sink. And He will get you to the other side. If He said we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. No, no storm is gonna get in the way of going to the other. If Jesus has spoken, we are going, are we going to, we're going to the other side because He has said so. He has said so. And God is not a man that He should lie or the Son of Man that He should change His mind. What He has said, He shall do. What He has promised shall come to pass. God isn't the kind of God that says to the people of Israel, come on, let's, let's leave. I'm gonna bring you into the promised land and then brings them up to Red Sea. Ha ha, you're gonna drown in the Red Sea. That's not God. He makes a way through the Red Sea. He calms the storm. We're going to the other side in the name of Jesus. Term perfect storm is a meteorological term. Everybody say meteorological. That's a tough word to say. And it's, it's a term that's used to describe what happens when a low pressure system, bit of science for you guys, low pressure system and a high pressure system and a hurricane all kind of intersect in the one spot. And when these three intersect in the one spot, you get what's called a perfect storm. The word perfect is not the right word because it kind of, oh, it's a perfect storm. No, that's, that's not the right word. It should be more like catastrophic, intense, disastrous. Um, some have reported 30 meter waves in a perfect storm. 30 meter waves. There's a movie been made called The Perfect Storm. Any one of those events, the three events, low pressure, high pressure, could be handled on their own. But when the three intersect into one, there's what's called a perfect storm. It's catastrophe. In life, there are times when we experience the perfect storm, where difficult events seem to kind of intersect into one spot. Anybody ever happened? Does that happen to anybody? You know, any one of these situations, I could handle this one or I could handle this one or this one. But what happens sometimes in our life in a perfect storm is all three of these seem to intersect into one spot. And maybe there's someone in the midst of a perfect storm right now where it feels like 
you're going to drown. Where it feels like Jesus doesn't care. Don't you care? Where it feels like Jesus is in the boat, but He's sleeping. You don't know how long it's going to last. You don't know when it's going to stop. Can I encourage you to remember that God is with you? And that He would get you to the other side. The purpose of the storm is to help us grow so that you will be, James says, perfect. The perfect storm. Perfect. Complete. Lacking nothing. 